I don't know, I don't know about y'all, but I don't like the sound of a scrappy sprint. <laughs> no, I like it when everybody stays in line and nobody touches. You don't say, "Hey, it's going to be a scrappy commute to work today." No, no, you don't like that. Yeah, I how was how was your date with your wife last night? Oh, really scrappy. <laughs> I can't be good. I can't be good. <laughs> Armstrong with my friend Jeffrey Benedict yeah. Hager, J.B. Hager. We just learned yesterday that's what J.B. stands for. I've known J.B. for 20 plus years. I never asked no him. No one ever asks. And I'm kind of glad I didn't ask for a long time. That was, <laughs> that was a lot to live with. And it doesn't just roll off the tongue well, does no. it? Talking about, and you know, it's funny when you talk about bike races in France and you try to, um, you try to say the names. I mean, we get a lot of, we get, actually get some emails about mispronouncing people's oh, names sure. but, but the start of today's stage is in Perigu, Perigo, I can't even pronounce it and uh finished down in Bergerac 178 kilometers um you know these days with all due respect to these boys I mean they're not not that exciting of course we had the mandatory and typical two-man breakaway that that didn't get a whole lot of time, and then the sprinters' teams moved to control the race, which is what typically happens. Um, but I think, th to me, uh, before we get into the details, I, the, 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 the takeaway for me was if, if Andre Greipel was going to win a bike race or win a stage in the Tour de France, and today was the day, his team was perfectly positioned, he had multiple riders in front of him, it looked like he had it, and then he didn't. And so... If I'm Andre Greipel, I go home and, and compare and contrast to Marcel Kittel, another German, that really didn't have a team today, didn't have a train, and it was, was very unorganized. And I saw him, God, 10 or 15 back, and I thought, well, maybe he's going to take the day off. And then out of, out of nowhere, this guy just sort of says, okay, I'm going to start going now. Mm -hmm. And when I remarked the other day that he won what in what seemed like twice the speed of the others today was even uh, – more dramatic and more dynamic. So four stage wins for him. Are we going to get that power meter reading again? Who sent you that last time? Uh, Greg Henderson sent us the, uh, sent us the power meter from, from uh, the sprint the other day where Greipel was second, but I, his power meter today would not, would not say much. I mean, because he basically sat up in the sprint, it, which, and I don't know if he just got caught out or, or just had a bad day, but, he certainly had the team to win today, and it was a technical finish. You know, two two turns within the last two left turns within the last kilometer. Um, you know, forgive me for kind of kicking this off with which is a with a pretty naive question. Mm. So on those days like that, where there, it is just a flat day, uh, no drama, and then we're all waiting for the sprint. It's a sprinter's day. Why does it still need to be a five-hour-plus day on the bike? That's a good question. I mean, yeah. it's so traditional. Well, first of all, for the fan at home, sleep in. Don't, don't get up early. Yeah. Unless your kid told you he's in the race and he told you the night before that he's going to go on the break, well, then get up and watch him. But if you're just a fan sitting in Austin, Texas, what? just sleep in. 
mm-hmm. ride a little longer, do something. Yeah, I would always kind of fast forward. Yeah. And then, you know, you get to the last 20K, it gets pretty exciting. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, this was a day of, of 178 kilometers, 110 or 12 miles. If you made this, it's, your question is, why wouldn't the stage be 50 miles? Right. Which, you know, I guess they could. It doesn't, they have to, the tour kind of has to get to that total distance. Which is. It would look, it would look different. It would, it just wouldn't be as epic in nature uh, if, 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 if the distance overall was that much shorter. You're right. I mean, it would, um, it would be, you probably have the same outcome. Mm-hmm. The race would be a lot more explosive if you had a, a 50 mile day versus a 112 mile day. You'll see we have a day coming up in the mountains that are in, in a, in some hillier terrain, which is very short. Those days are completely explosive. Um, you know, that's, look, th- this is a sport that's trying to find itself and trying to figure out what they do for content, what they do for, um, to revitalize interest. And you know, that's something that, that, that could be an idea. I don't, I don't know how I feel. I'm it's just that tradition that. of covering. Yeah. I say, let the, the boys 3, ride the 178 miles. kilometers and we sleep in. <laughs> you don't mind that. Uh, yeah. And I should have ridden longer. <laughs> you did get got out up, on I the got, bike today. Got up at five o'clock had the coffee set. I was going to try to leave at six, but it was still pitch black. So I waited a little bit and, and, uh, had my hour and 40 minutes or something. It's on Strava. You guys can find me on Strava. I'm telling you the man squeezes it in. Well, I tell you one thing it's, the heat index the newspaper today said the heat index is going to be 105. So I'm getting it over with. There's no way in hell I'm going out <laughs> exercising in 105. No, no. And I, I was having this conversation with Anna the other day. Cause even when we were in Boulder, it was, it was warm and I can't, I rode uh, with the Morton brothers. I came back and I said, honey, I said, I, th- I think I've just become a complete wuss. <laughs> like I can't take the heat. I just, and it, and it just drives me crazy. I, I think I'm just getting to be just completely lame. Did a hot day ever work to, uh, as an advantage to you back in the day, being a Texan, yeah. training in heat? It's so funny. I was, but, but having grown up in hot temps, you would think that, that suits you. I struggled in the hot temperature. And I still, um, not to reiterate what I just said, but I run hot, right, even if... You know, even if uh, I'm out exercising or we're talking about some controversy in this race, I get heated up. And so I think that that's that that, you know, that didn't help me when it came to hot days. And and, and, it, and over time, people started to figure that out when it was when it was going to be hot. They thought, ah, this is a day where we know he struggles in the heat. Everybody struggles in the heat. I've talked about that. Um, but I think I struggled more than most. Hmm. You think it would be the opposite. Yeah, but it, I, you would, I would, I kept trying to tell myself that, but the reality is it wasn't. Uh, yesterday was the rest day and they had to fly to another city. The, the buses had to drive like 600 kilometers. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people working to keep this train moving. Yeah. We haven't gotten to the point where they fly like F1, where they fly all the gear. They, they got to, they got to load it up and drive it. <laughs> right. F1 style. Wouldn't that be great? But can, before we get there, I just want to read, because I love this so much. This is an email we got on the rest day. Um, we got it in it and it just came in from this dude, W Wade. And he sends it to us. Subject. You've ruined my life. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, <laughs> I would like to personally thank the stages team for ruining my life. My wife came into my man cave while I was watching the stages rerun on YouTube. You guys were talking about the Cavendish crash. 
So now she's all into the tour and the broadcast. Now she has an opinion about everything. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. That was his little private thing that he that got was, to have. We, we get a lot of emails, but it, that one, when that one got sent around, we were like, oh, wow. I've talked to many people who are taking an interest in it for the first time just because of what you're sharing and explaining because, uh, you know, oddly enough, you know, no one's out there explaining it quite, quite well. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we're doing a good job. That's what we're trying to do is yeah. make you understand. So some of it are rookie questions, you know, uh, from people like me. And some of it's pretty technical yep. that I think even bike racers are like, ah, oh, I didn't know that. Yep. So, uh, yesterday that rest day, uh, there typically is a yellow jersey press conference. Yep. Traditionally, the, 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 the leader of the tour, the, the person in the yellow jersey, has uh, a press conference. The other interesting tidbit, too, which we can talk about as the race gets towards the end, but just so the average fan at home uh, knows, this is uh, the, the Tour de France finishes officially when they finish all the laps on the Champs-Élysées. But everybody sort of knows who's going to win the tour after. But the final press conference is not after they finish in Paris. It is after they finish the time trial. So anything could happen the next day. So the, 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 the leader, which is presumed to be the winner, although he still has to ride 100 miles the next day, gives a press conference the day before. Imagine if you went and did the press conference and then you had a freak, you know, Champs-Élysées is raining on the cobbles of the Champs-Élysées. He slides out and breaks his collarbone and... What did they do with that press conference from the day before? But typically, to answer your question, um, every every rest day, the, the leader of the race gives a press conference. And I read I read this morning that that Chris Froome decided to not give a press conference and instead Team Sky issued quotes. Uh, I don't know how that was viewed in in the press room, but I I like that. Mm -hmm. I, I support that, and 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 I don't, I support it. Obviously, I had a. A contentious relationship with a lot of the people in that press room and that I don't think he does but if you have a rest day and you're doing all the things you're going to do you're going to go ride you're going to eat you're going to have therapy massage there all of these things um it's just another thing and it and it's kind of another thing that Chris Froome has to get up for right it's 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 you know they're going to ask you questions that you just don't want to talk about not not to the to the extent that it was as edgy as my press conferences back in the day, but there's just going to be something. So for them to, you know, they can control the narrative by just issuing the release or issuing the quotes. I supported it. I mean, I thought if he's trying, if it's truly a rest day, then then rest. And uh, mm -hmm. why make them work? What well, also seems like if you're in the in the leader's jersey, you're in yellow, and you're doing your press conference. I mean. There's, it's kind of a, uh, there's no winning on that. If you are cocky about your position and your chances and opportunity or any of that, you, you look arrogant. If you are downplaying it all, you don't seem to have confidence, right? I mean, there's no right answer and you're not going to divulge all your strategies. Yep. I mean, what are they really looking for in that right. press conference? No, well, the, yeah, you don't, you don't need to get into strategy. Their strategy is pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, you know, they would ask, you know what they would ask? They would ask, they'd go back and ask about Aru, uh, Fabio Aru, uh, who I get grief for apparently for not pronouncing correctly, but um, they'd ask him about what he thought again of, you know, Aru attacking when he had his hand up. It just, they just, it's, 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 you know, 
I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him for staying in bed and we, skipping it. Yeah, we've talked about that. That's just the that's media behavior. Yeah, they're gonna latch onto anything that seems to have an inkling of controversy. Yeah. And you know, to your buddies on that email, um, the women will like the controversy. That's what roped her in. <laughs> I guess you're so right. So maybe with controversy, they'll get more women watching. I don't know. Just a theory. Speaking of Chris Froome, JB, um, and we, I know we've had quite a few emails about this, but more than anything, as I walk around, and it's been really cool to like, obviously, you know, if you're in a place like Boulder, there's a lot of cyclists and people uh, are following the tour. They're listening to this podcast. So people come up to me and ask questions. And But the one question that I get in person, forget the emails, that, that I get in person more than anything is how do I think that I would compare, you know, just take myself and Chris Froome, U.S. Postal and Sky, and put them in the same race at the, in the same year, how would they compare? And uh, I understand the question. The answer is impossible, right? Yeah. We, we, they, they've tried to do this in sports uh, throughout the years. And I'm going to get to, yeah. I'm gonna get to okay. the comparison of our generation versus previous generations. You cannot compare these generations. You can't compare them culturally. You can't compare them uh, strategically, technically. Uh, the choices that were, you know, it's just a very different generation. So I would never say to anybody, oh, we'd win hands down, or our team was much better, or I was a better rider. That's, that's when I was racing, and even maybe a little bit before, you know, the, the, this is a very typical question, right? So they would ask Eddie Merckx, as great as he was, his quote was, these current riders, this generation, they couldn't carry my suitcase. I mean, maybe that's right, but you can't say that. You don't know. We don't know, mm-hmm. right? And so it's, it's, I would never get in a position where, I mean, I guess you could break it down technically and look at speeds and times, but then comes the other layer of, well, wait a minute, that things, the, the, the fuel was a little different back then. Um, and so you, you just, we can't compare. These guys are they're at the top of their game. They're the best in this generation, and it's not for me to 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 try to reinsert myself into a competition when it it, it makes no sense. No disrespect to the people that come up to me and want to know. Um, well, you've talked about the speeds they're turning, and you've mentioned uh, the the stiffness in bikes and wheels, and there's a lot of other things that give them faster speeds. Of course, everything's changed. <laughs> you know, so there's there's too many elements to yep. uh, too many variables. Yeah, to make a comparison. But that being said, I just if can't you put ima- your postal team up against Sky. How would you do? They wouldn't even carry our suitcases. I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine saying that. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't. No. It. It. I know how hard the game is, and I, I can't. You. You. You can't. No disrespect to Eddie for saying that about later generations, but you can't. You can't say that. You don't know. All right. Let's try this piece of it. I'll break down. I'll just peel off one little part of it. Uh, could you make a comparison tactically? Of. The two no, teams. The two teams. Of course. I, I mean, it, the, look at the, 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 well, you have what is now, you know, obviously the strongest rider in the race with the strongest team. Um, it's not that hard tactically to, to, to know what to do when your team is that strong. It's actually super easy, mm-hmm. which sometimes equals boring. 
Um, but it's not, this is not rocket science. I mean, this is, the, you have the strength of the team that controls the race on the flat days. You let the sprinters do their thing. You keep your guy out of trouble. You get to the mountains, you get to the front, you ride tempo. Hope nothing goes wrong. And yet you say it's not rocket science. There's been some stir in the last few days mm-hmm. over some tactics of teams working when they shouldn't, helping Froome, lining it out for him. When we watched the we watched the telecast today, the broadcast, and and uh, it was again this discussion of what was Astana thinking on the run in into Chambéry the other day, when you have the yellow jersey isolated and you are helping him. I, I said it. I'm like, what? And even as this was going on, I'm and I mentioned the other day, George Hincapie texting, what are these guys doing? Right. What? It, it, I still and then uh, Fuglesong Jacob Jacob Fuglesong says who was one of the two Astana riders says, well well we weren't we weren't thinking about Chris Froome. Well you're, then what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> I mean if you, <laughs> right you're not thinking about so what are you thinking about they, what, how it's going to be to get fifth? Yeah, have they resolved? Cool. Have they, they've resolved not to go not to contend the leader almost. Is that is that, is that what that says to you? It's like I'm racing for second or third, yeah, at best. I, I don't. I, I can't even. I can't, I can't even. I can't even think about it. I can't. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't work. Don't do not pull. Do not pull the yellow jersey like you're his teammate. Don't let him pull. To do a couple fake pulls. Don't wear his ass out. And another thing that came into play on the stage. Who cares about Bardet up the front? I know. That's, that's Chris Room's responsibility. And there were... Trust, trust me, he cares. You'd have seen, if they just said, if they just said, look, we're not riding, he would have sat on the front and rode. I guarantee it. He, he mm-hmm. had no choice. Of course he would have. And he has the strength to do it. He, he looks, he's like, oh, I got 10K. Do I have the strength and the, and the, can I do a 10K little mini time trial here and recover from it? Yeah. And he would have. Of course he would And they all could have sat on his wheels. Instead, they they worked with him and actually let him pick up a little time bonus. Yeah. It just gets... I I can't talk about it anymore. (laughs) We have to have one thing per podcast that just gets you worked up. Yeah. It's heated. Yeah. You just said you get hot. This is the thing. And that was two days ago. Even made me say an F-bomb. That cost me a dollar. (laughs) His poor kids. God. There was a name you uh, asked me to bring up. Um, yes. A lot of people are asking about up and coming. They want to know who to watch. Who are the young yep. guys and the stories to follow? Now that people are getting back into it, uh, at least a lot of the fan mail we're getting, it's people getting reengaged and falling in love with the tour again. Uh, you mentioned bringing up George Bennett. Yeah, so in, in, in any bike race, you always have, you have the obvious stories. You have the favorites, the leader, you know, the charming stars, but then there's always the sneaky person. And George Bennett is the sneaky one. I mean, here's a kid who won the tour of California a couple of months ago is sitting in 10th, by the way, you know, we're talking about, uh, how great and strong and safe Chris Froome is 10th place is less than four minutes behind four minutes. Sounds like, I don't know if it, what it sounds like to people listening is not a lot of time. Anything can happen, but sneaking into 10th place is this young Kiwi, George Bennett. Please be Kiwi if he's Australian. <laughs> Let's confirm. Oh, I'll never put, just confirm. They're already do, all do, over you. I think you something. just made peace with the the Kiwis over this deal and the Aussies. Now you're. He's from New Zealand. Thank God. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> but he, he's this is a young kid who's in tenth place, won the Tour of California. He coincidentally was on our um, on a development team I started many years ago. And if you see, like when there was the selection the other day on on Cat Mountain, Montechet, um, he was there. It wasn't he. He looked good to me. And and so if you're looking um, for, you know, obviously guys like Chris Room can't ride forever, but. Kids like Yates, Simon Yates, mm-hmm. Adam Yates, George Bennett, oddly enough, you know, three Anglo's. Um, they're gonna be they're gonna be factors and, and potential tour winners in the future. And I, I'm proud of I'm proud that he was on our team a long time ago, and I'm proud to see that that he's just snuck his way right into the top ten. Okay. While we're talking about those young guys and those young names, um, you know, that's why they do an under twenty three category. Youngest rider. I think it's under 25. Under 25? I think the white jersey. Yeah. So kind of explain this to people. Um, Is it, is a GC contender tend to be, that prime seems to be like 27 to what, 32-ish? That's the prime. If you looked at the average, right? If you just took 100 and something years of this race and you looked at the average age of the winners, it would be in there. It would be late, you know, 22 is too young, 25, maybe too young, 35 is too old. So it's, it's somewhere there. So even say 27, 27 compared to most sports, you've been around a while. Right. And in cycling, obviously you've been around a while. I have been a while. But let me try to explain this question, right? Is it because physically they're not developed enough? Tactically, they're not developed enough. Have they not earned the right to be the GC, the leader of a team? Is it, is it a, I mean, you just don't see people bursting onto the right. scene at 21 and. Well, you saw, Yano, you saw, Yano, it's, it's all of those things, JB. It's, 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 but I think the most important one you hit on is that a three week race is, is obviously very hard, but for a young kid, it's, it's, it's just too long, too hard, too many days. It's happened. Jan Ulrich did it, um, out of the blue seemingly. Um, although he was an amazing amateur talent and everybody knew that he was a great talent, won the world championships as an amateur, but, um, it's not a young man's race. It's so you, you need, you know, the traditional thinking is that you need a, and by the way, it doesn't have to be the tour de France. You could, you could send a young kid to the Vuelta mm-hmm. or to the Giro. So just a young kid getting a three week tour under his belt makes a huge difference. And, and two of them or is even better in three of them. I mean, you, those miles accumulate. Um, when it comes time to, you know, to peak at that right age. And then they also accumulate when you're like sliding out the back as well. But um, yeah, this is not a young man's race. Not that it can't be done. There had to be many times over the years as, you know, the different teams you participated in were developing. Okay. Look at next season. Who do we bring on? There had to be somewhere you go. uh, They're not ready. They're not ready. Yeah. Right. And, and, and as much as it, it, the white jersey is tricky because just because a kid wins the white jersey doesn't mean that you can automatically go long that stock and say, well, in two years, he's going to win the whole thing. He's going to win the yellow jersey. Um, and the best example that I can think of is, and as much I love him so much, and, and, and he's a great friend, but TJ Van Garderen had the white jersey, won the white jersey. I believe he did win. He won the white. And it just, he hasn't been able to, to, uh, and I think he would admit this. He just has, obviously hasn't won a yellow jersey. Um, so sometimes does that sniff or whiff of yellow 
or overall victory come too soon? And what does that do to a young kid? What does that do to his view of, of, of this event? And so white jersey is no guarantee that you're going to be in yellow. How much of it is mental being ready to be? Well, it's like any sport. I mean, the, 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 when I was, you know, it's funny. When I was young, I, I thought everything about this sport is physical. There's just, I'll just, you know, you got to be physically strong, and that's the most important. But as I got older, I realized that that the mental part is uh, is it's not more important than the physical part, but I, but it's it's close. It's an equal split for me. Um, what are we looking at here? Oh, these are the white jerseys. So this is a great stat. Thank you, Higgs. Wow. So Contador won the white jersey in 2007 and won yellow jersey. Uh, TJ won the white jersey in 2012. Quintana, 2013. Thibaut Pinot, 2014. Quintana again in 2015. God, he's young. And then Adam Yates <laughs> last year. Andy Schleck won two, what, three whites. Wow. So it is a little bit in, indicative in, of two, in 2005, uh, Popovich won as my teammate. So it's, it's Basso 2002. So, but it's not, you know, a lot of things can go on. And so, um, what was I talking about just before that? <laughs> the, the mental oh, side of it. So the, so the mental, as I, as I got older and, and maybe a little wiser, not a lot wiser, as we can all agree, um, I realized that the mind is the thing that has, you could, have, you could have the greatest engine, the greatest chassis, the greatest, most reliable, you know, you never get hurt, you never get sick, all of that. But if the mind doesn't tell the body to go out every day, you, you get up and you look outside and it's, it's 50 degrees and raining and you've got a six-hour day. The body doesn't just start walking out the door. The mind has to say, okay, this is going to suck. Mm -hmm. Let's go. And so the mind gets you out there to prepare. And then in the race, the mind figures out how to win. Or like you mentioned the other day on a previous podcast, uh, which everyone should go back and listen to all of them. There's great stuff in there. Uh, you mentioned having your guys ride hard on a rest day yeah. where most people probably yeah. just spin their legs out, right? Yeah. Mentally, they didn't like that, and they, and, they, and they didn't like it physically. You should go ask. We should ask those guys what they, 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 uh, they hated me for that. <laughs> Do you want to talk about tomorrow's technical finish yeah. first, and then uh, field some questions? Let's do that. Um, so, again, you know, if you look at tomorrow uh, and what to expect, I mean, it, well, back up. Looking at today, if you don't pick, everybody listening now can just. I think we all pick the same person for tomorrow. I think the same thing happens. I think you get this two to four man breakaway that goes away. That this Peloton, as it as it has been this entire tour, doesn't give them much time. They give them a couple few minutes, and then they leave them there, and then they bring them back as as happens. But this is another tricky look at with you know the last five kilometers. You've got one, two, three. Three roundabouts, a hard left, another roundabout, another left. So in the last K, you have a roundabout and a sort of a soft left. Another technical, tricky finish. The interesting thing, which I want to read, and I never would have thought about this stuff, uh, but it, it's, he's almost become like our roving reporter, Greg Henderson, Coach Hendy, mm -hmm. CoachHendy.com, as mm -hmm. he says. Yeah, checking in, giving us some insight. Yeah, I love this insight, but you know, because I think of this Kittle and Greipel and you know, the favorites. And so he says in this DM to me, he says, so who is left to sprint? Christoph Kittle, Greipel, Buhani. 
And the dangerous fact now is that every second string sprinter thinks he has a chance also. We're in for some scrappy sprints coming up, right? So, and we, you saw it even today when you had uh, direct energy. I mean, one of the stages the other day, I didn't know they had a sprint. They're, they're like in the lead out there. I'm like, who are they leading out? Mm-hmm. I mean, Somebody we haven't, not a name we're all familiar right. it's, with. It's not to call anybody, I'll let Greg call him a second stringer, but you're just going to have these guys that, that say, wait a minute, there's three or four big sprinters out of this race. I'm going to go get up there and see what happens. And with that comes somebody that probably doesn't have the same experience. They haven't gone 75 kilometers an hour in a sprint and rubbed elbows and touched wheels and, or maybe they have, but it, it, it just, it's, it, you know, we're gonna, we might see some new names and we're like, who we might see some, we're looking no, well, them up. I, but to me, you might see some, what he says here, scrappy sprints. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but I don't like the sound of a scrappy <laughs> I sprint. No, I like it when everybody stays in line and nobody touches. <laughs> you don't say, Hey, it's going to be a scrappy commute to work today. No, no, you don't like that. Yeah. I how did. was, how was your date with your wife last <laughs> night? Oh, really scrappy. <laughs> It can't be good. That can't be good. <laughs> I did laugh as I drove up to your house this morning to yeah. watch the uh, tour. Yeah. Um, when did we sort of slip in? You, what you got? Uh, I, I was driving down your street, and there's a new island, a new piece of yes. traffic furniture, yes. as you yes. call it, or road Fa- furniture. I've la- I laughed out loud yeah. to myself. I'm like, you hate it. And I go, he just got a new island right in front right. of us. I hate house. it. But, but you, know, you know what? No, I like this one because if you know where we live in Austin and between the hours of 4 and 6 p.m., it is the Autobahn. Like it, it's it's one of these cut throughs and ways, you know, ways people at home listening as much as I use and love oh, ways. Ways is sending people through ways your neighborhood. Ways has, has just, you know, people bought a house on a quiet street like five years ago and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. That's ways. And so anyways, our street's one of those and they're trying to figure out how to, but yeah, we got a little, but you know what, <laughs> you know, even ASO isn't dumb enough to put the Tour de France down our street. <laughs> right. Well, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, any more thoughts on tomorrow's, but we'll move on to some questions. And no, comments? I'm sleeping in. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm going to sleep in a little more and okay. I'm going to ride a little longer. Okay. Good deal. Uh, here's one from Andrew. Love the pod. Uh, how do teams handle the yellow jersey situation if their rider happens to get it for a stage? Does each team travel with all the yellow gear? That's funny. I mean, you saw, you've seen Sky wearing the yellow helmets. Um, anyhow, or do they have a, or does the the yellow have a range of sizes for everybody? He's kind of asking, what do you do in preparation for that? Okay, so the 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 jersey itself is issued by the Tour de France. So that jersey is, um, you know, they, they sublimate the team's logos on there every day, and they give the leader a short sleeve jersey, a long sleeve jersey, a, a vest, a raincoat, all these things. Um, but that comes directly from the race, and that's provided by their um, apparel sponsor, and it's got obviously their sponsors on it as well. And then, you know, when a team chooses to just to, to go completely yellow, yellow bike, yellow helmets, yellow you know, underwear, whatever, <laughs> that's their own thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you see like in this Yellow race, underwear is a bad thing by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's happened. Um, but, uh, it's up to team, the teams, how much they want to play that up. Yep. Yeah. And you see team sky wearing yellow helmets. They're not wearing yellow helmets because Chris room is in yellow. They're wearing yellow helmets because they're leading the team GC. 
And it's probably good for their helmet sponsor to highlight those, yeah. right? By the way, what has happened with helmets? These are they've. This is the ugliest thing. I mean, what? <laughs> they they look. I don't, like you know they, what? I'm save this for another day because I've already gotten riled up enough. The style something. seems to be regressing a little bit. Less vents, more. Yeah, they, they look like skateboard helmets. And then the the glasses have gotten bigger too. Yeah. Like um, I got a lot of comments about the helmet thing about the uphill turn. I was surprised about that, and I and I and I. And I was surprised that the comment, most of the comments we got were supportive, but there was more. You know, anyway. so. uh, Lance, I've really enjoyed your insightful analysis during the first week. Perhaps you can comment on sleep requirements and those challenges during the tour. We have no idea what happens once you guys get back to the hotel. That's from uh, Dennis Manzo in Montreal. Right. Sleep is, is tremendously important. And of course, everybody's different. Some people need seven hours some people need you know nine or ten hours i was i'm i'm a sleeper so i always slept a lot we also know that that uh, physical stress mental stress can affect sleep so there are people there may be guys that that just lay in bed at night nervous about the next day you know, maybe they'll take a, a, a light sleeping pill just something to get them to go to sleep knowing that they have to sleep the other interesting thing, and I think I think the conditions have improved in terms of uh, the hotels, but back in the day, you know, I sleep with earplugs every night still to this day because when I raced, I had to have earplugs. I was always uh, hotels were in in inside of towns, and and the trash guy or the dumpster or the the construction truck would come early in the morning, or the scooters, the little European scooters would rage all night long when the kids got out of the disco, and they'd wake <laughs> you up. So I, I started sleeping with earplugs from a very early uh, very early time. And the other last thing I'll say is uh, the temperature of the room is is uh, very important, and traditionally. Cyclists have hated to have the AC on. The traditional European belief is that air conditioning gets you sick, right? So if the room's too cold, you get you get cold, or you, your sinuses get dried out, you get sick. So, as you know, growing up racing, we always kept the windows open. So temperature, but you also know I mean, if it's a hot night, the windows open. It's it's maybe you know low to mid eighties in the room. That's hot, and that affects sleep as well. And then you're sweating while you sleep and that affects hydration all of this stuff is is uh is hugely important i you know i actually bought into this idea that ac was bad for you but i didn't buy into the idea that a fan wasn't bad for you so i always had a fan this one yours had to carry the fan around there's you know, these janky fans you'd buy it you know target or something just put it there and just a little breeze in the room just 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 so i could sleep but there's got to be nights where you just toss and turn. I never toss and turn. I, I'm a sleeper. I, I see a pillow, and it, it and I'm well. Now I'm, you I'm, sit on it. For... I do sit on it. I'm living <laughs> tall today, aren't I? But as, as soon as I see it, I'm like going down. And by the time my head hits it, I'm Anna hates oh, me because she so can't lucky. sleep. Uh, yeah, that's a great gift. Thanks, bro. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Don writes: Does Lance make you sleep in the airstream? If so, that's BS. Love the show. You guys are great. <laughs> that's, that sounds like that's a question for you. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Everybody's been very hospitable and offered me bedrooms and everything. Um, I, that whole I meant to tell you, our friend Laura Reynolds texted me the other day. She's okay. up and asked me. She said, if JB doesn't want to sleep in the, in the trailer, in the Airstream, then we have an extra room. 
I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot when we're I, no, it's when we're back in in Aspen next week doing the last week of the tour. We'll have to do a little walkthrough because there is a full on bedroom in the back, like a queen size bed. Yeah, I love it. Same thing. I crank the fan and sleep like a baby. There you go. No, everybody. Nobody. Been, nobody needs to cry for Jeffrey Benedict. He's I love be, it. He's gonna be just fine. Are you kidding? Ask he my saw wife. his wife last night. I'm surprised. I'm surprised he made it today. <laughs> And my daughter was with a friend for the night. It was good. Oh, let's, this is not. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Tessa writes, how old are your twin girls now? 15. Why, while you're answering that question, <laughs> you might as well break down all of them. So, well, uh, look at this. I'll just do it right here. I love this photo, right? So you've got Olivia, who's six. This little guy, Max, is eight. These twins right here are 15, Grace and Isabel. As the old man, me and my son, who looks like he's about three feet taller than me, is is uh, is seventeen. So five kids, pretty awesome. I know. I was so jealous uh, that you're. Do you have a kid old enough to pick you up at the airport? That's so great. I know. I was, Higgs was going <laughs> to give me a ride yesterday, and I was I was like, wait a minute. I'm going to make Luke pick me up. <laughs> I love that. And I, I expected shade. <laughs> like I expected him to go. Oh man, come on. He's like, no problem. That's great. Yeah, it's great. It's great to be with him. Um, let's see, just a couple more quick comments. Uh, Ryan, we don't mind the language. My kids giggle when they hear it. Keep up the great podcast. Yep. Not going to do we have, we, do we have a tally on the swear jar? I'm sure we'll get an email right after this. Yeah. Uh, Sydney, keep rocking this feed and podcast. Nothing in sports quite like this. Thank you very much you for bet. all of us. Thank you. Thank you from all of us. Amateur weekend warrior roadies. By the way, I'm 65. Wow. That's cool. That's very cool. Are you going to be hammering it when you're 65? Hell yeah, I am. How, how long do you think you'll go? How on long will I live? No, on a bike. Get out there getting after it no, on a bike. No, I'll ride, I'll ride until the day I die. Yeah? Yep. 100%. All right. Well, that wraps it up. Yeah. Tomorrow, technical finish. Look for some new scrappy names. Yeah. <laughs> scrappy sprints. <laughs> uh, there's We Do Gear. If you want to go to wedosport.com. That's actually, we do shop. Both. We do shop. Both. Yeah. W-E-D-U. Yeah. Uh, shop and check out some of the, the gear. Probably doing a, a reorder of the very, very popular Suffer shirts. Yep. And then Thursday, we're doing this particular podcast, uh, just like we did the other day in Boulder at Vecchio's. We're going to take the whole similar setup and do it at my bike shop here in Austin at Melo Johnny. So if you're in town um, and can come in, stop in, watch, you know, some. It's a like great a, day to watch too. It's a tough day. It's a it's strategic. We're doing it there on a day that you'll want to watch we'll several talk, hours. We'll, we'll talk about that stage tomorrow. But if you guys do want to peek ahead, um, the the finishing climb is is not that hard. The climb before it, the Portobelas, is unbelievably hard. So like mushroom Portobelas? Uh, no. Is my accent that bad? Am I, am I, am I messing this up? <laughs> Jesus. Look for the mushroom. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and send this link to your friends. Post it online. Everybody sharing on social is great. It's yep. re You've helped rocket this thing into the top we 10. We flew through 2 million downloads. Yeah. Stagespodcast.com has all the links to send it to your friends on if they want the link for iTunes, like Google Play, week. SoundCloud. Million. It's crazy. It's I figured crazy. we'd have to do this for like 20 years to get 2 million. No. Yep. Hey, Everybody's spreading the love, sharing All right. it. All those shares help us out a lot. We yep. appreciate Thank it. Thank you for that. All right. See you tomorrow.